scripture this morning comes from 1 Peter chapter 5. And our text will be especially verses 2 through 4. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither is it being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same of afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. By Silvanus, a faithful brother unto you, as I suppose I have written briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God wherein ye stand. The church that is at Babylon, <clears throat> elected together with you, saluteth you, and so doth Marcus my son. Greet ye one another with a kiss of charity. Peace be with you all that are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Verses 2 and 4 are our text. I will not be rereading them. This morning, beloved, we're going to be speaking primarily on God's charge to office bearers. God's charge to the congregation is found there in verse 5, isn't it? Submit yourselves unto the elder, be subject one to another, be clothed with humility. So, so two things, really, that are to the congregation, and the office bears as well as the rest of the members, humility and submission. Submission... Office bearers submit to Christ, and then the church submit to their office bearers. 
but also humility. Those in the office of the church not being proud, not lording it over the church, and we'll get into that, but also in the pew, humility, listen to and heed these earthen vessels that the Lord has set over you for your good. Humility. That's something that we have to learn because it doesn't come naturally. By sin, we often are proud. We think we know better. How many, when they are told different things in their life, get angry when they're admonished and they say, give me my papers, and they leave. God wants his church to be ruled in good order. Therefore, he has given these office bearers to us. God brings this word to us through Peter. Peter, who was an apostle, and he also calls himself a fellow elder. And God prepares him so that he can write this passage. To submit and to be humble. Peter wasn't always so humble, wasn't he? Was he? He was rather proud. He had confidence in himself. He has said, even if all these others will desert you, Lord Jesus, I will never desert you. He learned, he learned by his own mistakes, and he was forgiven. And that made him a better office bearer, able now to charge his fellow elders in the church. Humility. All should be subject to one another. Why? Because God resists the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. So he is an apostle. He is a fellow elder. He is also an eyewitness to the sufferings of Christ Jesus. And so from that, he knows how precious these sheep are to Christ. Christ gave up his life for them. He is a partaker of the glory that is about to be revealed. The time is short. The end of things is at hand. How important that the church knows how to behave, how the church is immersed in God's word and lives out of that word of God. We have here a general epistle. That is, this is Peter's advice. This is the Holy Spirit's word to the elders of the various churches at that time and still for the various churches today. Pastors, elders, and deacons who are called assistants to the elders. Peter writes about earthen vessels. Look at these apostles. Several of them were fishermen, not of a high rank in society, fishermen. They had their own mistakes. Peter had denied the Lord. Yet the Lord chose to use them, and the Lord chooses to use these elders and deacons that have been appointed this morning. 
So my, ter- th- my theme here is God's charge to office bearers. First of all, the duties. Second of all, the manner and attitude. And thirdly, then, the reward. The duty. Our text is not real literal as it was written. 1 Peter 5, verse 2 literally says, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. That is, the flock that Christ has entrusted to you. That comes now to the elders of any of God's churches, wherever they are organized. Shepherd the flock. That's language that is rich in imagery in the Old and New Testament. Boys and girls, can you vision that group of woolly animals consisting of ewes, rams, and little lambs, all ages. And Jesus calls them his sheep. And he knows them by their individual names. And called by Jesus Christ, these sheep follow Christ Jesus. Isaiah 40, verse 11, he will lead his flock like a shepherd. Zechariah 10, verse 3, Jehovah of hosts hath visited his flock, the house of Judah. Or again, the well-known words of Jesus in John 10, verse 14, I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and and I am known of mine, and I lay down my life for the sheep. So there are these sheep now in many different lands, gathered in different churches, so many different flocks, and they're all going to be going to that eternal fold when they'll be made one in the new heavens and the new earth. Yes, the great shepherd is going to come again, and then the the role, the calling of earthly shepherds will come to an end. We won't need him any longer to be instructed in the word of God. We will all know him and we will serve him eternally. Shepherd the flock. That means there are three things that the shepherds of the flock have to do, these under-shepherds. Feed the sheep. Lead and guide the sheep. Guard the sheep. And that term of shepherding goes along with really what the whole church is called to do, isn't it? The church of Jesus Christ is not to involve herself in earthly affairs, the politics of the land, or a labor, or education. Even the education of our, church, of our children in our Christian schools. We have parental schools not church schools. The church has one task, shepherd. Bring the sheep to the green pastures of God's word that they may be fed, that they may be strengthened, and they may live then for their God. So let's start with those three things of the duties of shepherding. First of all, feed the sheep. 
They need to be fed, fed well in the green pastures of God's word. Instructed. They need that nurturing of God's word. They need to feed upon that word and live by that word. That comes through the preaching of the word every Sunday. It comes in the catechism classrooms in which there is the word of God brought to each age level appropriate. There is the Bible studies in the church where God's saints fellowship. What a nice name for the ladies that meet this week. The ladies Bible fellowship. Not only reading the word of God, but then sharing that word of God with one another and having fellowship together. Jesus said to Peter, not only feed my sheep, but he also said, feed my lambs. So just as in the catechism classroom, the word of God is brought to each age level appropriate for them, so also in the preaching of the word. There are the various ages here, and the word of God has to be addressed to each of us in our own age and so that our boys and girls can understand the word of God as well as the parents. What has to be taught? The whole counsel of God. And that's what's beautiful about being a confessional church. That's what's beautiful about Heidelberg Catechism preaching. The preacher can't just have a hobby horse and preach his own text that he wants to select out for the congregation. But the whole word of God stands there and our confessions force, like the catechism, force the pastor to preach on all these different aspects. That has to be done publicly on the Lord's Day. But that word of God also comes on family visitation, doesn't it? And that word of God comes by the office bearers as they visit the sick, or the aged, or the lonely, or the poor, or the distressed, as God gives us opportunity. And in order to feed now God's people and to lead them in the word of God, that means office bearers, you need a library at home. You need to go to the library here in our church not so much to read the fluff that is there, but the commentaries, the church order, the biographies of saints. Know God's word. Equip yourself. Yes, the Holy Spirit will give you the wisdom that you need, the qualifications that you need, but you also have a calling. Immerse yourself in God's word. So, first of all, instruction. Second of all, the duty of our office bearers to direct, to lead, to guide God's sheep in the way that they are to walk. To do it with comforting words, to do it with admonitions and warnings, and even if necessary, just like parents at home, so also the office bearers discipline in the church. So not only do we have to make sure that there is proper nourishment for the sheep. That is, first of all, the elders supervise this man. Hmm? This man can't say whatever he wants to say, but the elders are here in our midst to supervise 
whether the word of God is properly being explained. But not only do we make sure now as elders that there's proper nourishment, but also watch over these sheep lest they wander. For boys and girls, sheep are not the smartest animals. They are often very wayward. Or they can't find good nourishment. They have to be led to the green pastures. They have to be led to the water. They have to be protected from enemies. How important our office bearers are. If God's people start wandering away from the church or from correct doctrine, they have to be brought back, in, back again. If they are sick or, dis, or diseased or distressed, then they need admonition. They need comfort, admonishment, strengthening. Not only do they receive that instruction then, but now that they Learn from that instruction. This is the question that should always be asked on family visitation. This is a question that you and I should always be asking ourselves. Have I grown this past year? Have I grown in my knowledge of my God and my Christ? Have I grown as a spiritual person? So that more and more I hate my sin and more and more I know my Christ and I love him. And I want to serve him. And that's what family visitation is all about, isn't it? And that's why the elders also come to our catechism classrooms, not only to teach, but later on in this same month, they're going to come to watch the pastor's instructing to see, is he doing a good job, his job, and are the students listening well, taking their notes? They'll be visiting our societies. Is there good instruction taking place? So I want you to notice that the work of our office bearers is not just going to a couple meetings per month, but rather it is going in amongst the people of God's church, knowing them and loving them, leading and guiding them, protecting them, and also seeking the lost, bringing encouragement, advice, comfort, when necessary, rebuke and exhortation, seeking the lost. Third thing, shepherd them, feed them, watch over them, lead them, then thirdly, guard that flock. For there are many enemies. And the Apostle Paul, Peter knows that. He knows how he was misguided. And under Satan, he denied Jesus Christ. And he, that's why he says, be sober, be vigilant. For the devil, like a roaring lion, goes about seeking to destroy. Our elders have to make sure that there are not wolves or goats mixing in with God's sheep. They may not find their way into this church. Those are the enemies at times within. They need to be weeded out. But also there are the enemies from without, isn't it? There is this world with all the pleasures that they hold before us. 
And the question comes, are you going to want to be like the world or do you recognize as God's people that you've been separated out from the world as a peculiar people, a kingdom of priests to God? There's always the false church coming like the Moabites did to Israel, said, come and join us, marry with us. Our office bearers must watch for the souls of God's people. They have to rule God's house, handling the word of God, causing God's saints to behold Christ Jesus as he set forth in the preaching of the word, living as separated or devoted or sanctified persons. The elders, the pastor, the deacons, they rule under Christ. In other words, the church is not a democracy. The church doesn't take a vote and say, this is what we want. We want to do this. We want to do this. No. They are led by rulers who care for the church. The authority of our office bearers is a real authority and that person who despises their office bearers despises Christ who has put them there. Feed, lead, guide, inspect, guard, protect. That's the duties. Second of all, the manner and the attitude. And notice how the Holy Spirit does teaches the attitude or the manner that we rule by contrasts. Three of them. First of all, we read, not by constraint, but willingly. Now one might ask, well, how would one shepherd God's sheep by constraint? Or by necessity. Well, it's the attitude here really of the heart. We're going to look at that. The manner and the attitude, we're going to look at the heart, then the mind, and then the life. What is in the heart? Is there rebellion against being in office? Is there the attitude, I don't want to do this. I don't have time for this. I want to go off on long vacations for three, four months. I can't teach catechism. One of the churches I did serve in, none of the elders felt competent to teach the high school kids catechism, whether it be grades 9 all the way through 12. If the pastor was sick or the pastor had to be gone, those classes just wouldn't meet. I want to tell you as a congregation, God has given you good elders. Good elders who step to the plate. If I, For example, this past week when I was at classes, elders taught the class. There's no shortage of those teachers doing a good job. In fact, the kids love having the elders teach them in their catechism classes. So there has to be the right heart. Doing it willingly and that means every aspect just like the pastor have diff has different aspects in his job they're not all the same but 
the elders, the pastor, the deacons have to do every aspect of their work willingly. Some parts are easier than others. One pastor might like to sit in his study. Another pastor might be very good at visiting the sick or calling on individual members. Well, so also the elders and deacons have these various tasks. Some are more pleasant than others, aren't they? How happy it is to make a call on a person that just has a baby. Or how welcoming it can be to bring God's word when God's people are eager to hear it. But there's also those difficult times, aren't there? You have to go to the member who isn't coming to church as they ought to or who is doing something wrong in their life. But we do it willingly because, not by constraint, but because, not because we're forced to, but willingly because we love God, we love our Christ, we love his church, and therefore we do whatever is necessary. Not grudgingly, oh, I have to do this again, because the Lord loves a cheerful doer as well as a cheerful giver, doesn't he? And let me speak also now to the families and the wives of our office bearers. Please don't begrudge that your husband or your father has to again do, go to church, do something instead of being home. What a delightful work working for our Lord Jesus Christ. So first of all, not by constraint, I have to, but rather willingly, out of love for God. That's got to be the heart. But second of all, the mind. Not because of greed or gain, but readily. Not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Now you say, okay, I can understand how that is of a pastor because that's the only one that's getting paid here. The pastor may not pick a church because the salary is higher there or the parsonage is nicer there. Where God has placed him, he labors not to get that check, but he labors because this is God's people. Now you say, how is this now true of elders? They're not paid. Oh, but... Beloved, elders have to do their work, deacons do their work, not so that they get the acclaim of the people, not so that they have this position and they're proud about it. They do this work because they love Christ and they love Christ's bride. They may not say, but I don't want to give my time here. There's pleasures I want to do. I want to expand my business. I want to go on more vacations. I want to do this. I want to do that. Our eyes and our minds must be on the flock saying, what does the flock need? What is for their well-being? Even as we have so freely received of the Lord, so freely we give. So that means that we want that word of God always to be before God's people, whether it be in their giving of their gifts, their living their lives, the doctrines that they hold on to. 
it'd be easy here to do it under constraint because not every member is the same of the church, are they? Some are easier to get along with than others are. We're all different. But because we love Christ, because we love his church, we love every member, regardless of their status, regardless of their temperament, we love them because they belong to Christ. Isn't that the question, really, that Jesus asked Peter when he reinstated him? Three times, Jesus says, lovest thou me? And that's the question to our office bearers. That's the question to the whole congregation as we live together in fellowship. So there is the heart, there is the mind, and then thirdly, there is the life. Not lording it over the inheritance, but as examples. What does it mean to lord it over the, uh, over the flock? <coughs> First of all, it does not mean that they don't exercise proper authority. Authority is vested in the offices of minister, of elders, and of deacons. It's Christ's authority. The office bearers, your office bearers, are subject to Christ Jesus. And that means that they come in the name of the Lord Jesus. They come with Christ's authority. They come with God's word. God's word for what we believe. God's word for how we live. God's word for how we give of our gifts. Don't lord it <coughs> over the flock. But that means, beloved, don't come with a proud, overbearing spirit. Don't come proud of yourself. You're always right. You don't need anyone else's advice. Office bearers have to remember, though they are rulers in God's church, they are not lords. It is Christ Jesus alone who is Lord over his house. It's God's heritage. They come with God's word. We read in Matthew chapter 20 these words. Jesus called them unto him and he says, You know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them, but it shall not be so among you. But whosoever shall be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Servants. Some of you know only too well by experience of pastors, perhaps, or elders that lord it over to the congregation. Pastors that might use the pulpit as a bully pulpit, pounding God's sheep, giving 
and saying, I'm the only one that's right. Pastors, perhaps, that refuse to submit to their elders. God's word says, not lording it over them. Not being dominant, saying, I'm right, where the members are afraid to come to their pastor and even the elders or deacons are afraid to come to him with advice because they will not listen. Don't be those who lord it over, who are proud of themselves. I've got all the answers. No. Rather, he says, be examples to the flock. Why be examples? Because sheep are not driven they have to be led. Teach by example. That means as pastors and elders and deacons, we live our lives here in the midst of God's people according to the word of God so that the sheep may follow us. It means that we walk in humility. It means that we walk in wisdom. It means that we walk in the knowledge of God in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul warns young Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, verse 12. Let no man despise your youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Be examples. Office bearers, may it be said of us, as the Apostle Paul put it, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. No proud masters here beating God's precious sheep or lambs. Humble examples called ministers, which really means servants. Office bearers who are servants of God, servants to God's sheep and lambs. That brings me to the third point, the reward. And what a precious reward is promised here to those who do well. We read there in verse 4, And when the chief shepherd shall appear, that's Christ Jesus, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. So the elders, deacons, pastors are called under-shepherds. But there is the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ. He knows his sheep. They are his. He loves them. He wants them well cared for. And when under-shepherds then labor on behalf of Christ Jesus, they receive a crown of glory. Now already in this life, Christ is with us by his spirit, by his word. 
But when he appears, it's talking especially there in the judgment day. That is when we as God's people are going to come before the Lord Jesus and he's going to judge our works. And he's going to judge office bearers. Is their work that of gold or of silver, wood, or is it of straw? We're going to be judged with what we've done. Have we labored well and have we labored hard or were we lazy? Just putting in the minimum amount of work. Thankfully, straw is burned up, isn't it? Jesus Christ suffered and died because we are earthen vessels who are weak. And there is straw in our work. And that's purged away by Christ Jesus by his death on the cross. But may we be rewarded for working well in his kingdom. May we be rewarded well for loving those sheep of Christ Jesus and those precious little lambs. Not lording it over them. Not abusing them. And yes, it's time to say that too with office bearers, isn't it? We know in our history of pastors and elders that have abused God's precious sheep and lambs. And they're going to have to stand before the judge when Christ Jesus appears. How terrible. That reward comes when Jesus judges. Because often in this life, you don't feel that reward. Think a moment of Moses. Moses who was called for 40 years to lead God's people. Did they all say, oh, thank you, Moses, we love you, you're doing, doing such a fine job? No, boys and girls, you know that wasn't the case, huh? Often the people murmured and complained. They were bitter against Moses. Miriam and Aaron even, his brother and sister, came against him and said, who do you think you are? No, that reward often is not in this life. It's long hours, it's difficult work. At times it's members that don't want to hear that word of admonition or reproof. But Christ knows his faithful laborers. And Christ here says there is going to be a wonderful uh, reward, a crown of glory. It's figurative speaking, isn't it? The crown of glory, in other words, even as we glorify God by our work, God is also going to reward us for our labors. It is a reward of grace, isn't it? We don't earn it. Who is sufficient for these things? Any pastor that gets behind the pulpit has to ask that question. Am I sufficient? Not of myself. Only by God in his grace supplying me with the wisdom and the strength to do that work. And the same is true of our elders and our deacons. Humbly we submit to Christ Jesus and we pray, give us. Give us the necessary gifts 
so that we can be the best possible examples and leaders of God's precious sheep and lambs. He will reward us. But with that reward, there's the implication also. What about unfaithful shepherds? What about unfaithful office bearers? What about those who did not feed the sheep or guard the sheep or direct the sheep in the way that they should walk? Or who did not do it in the manner or attitude that they should have? Or those who have abused those precious sheep and lambs? The doom of the unprofitable servant will be his. Those who are unfaithful, those who abuse, are expelled from the family of God into outer darkness unless they repent. And there, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's the proper place for unfaithful leaders because the honor of God, the cause of God's truth, the interest of souls was put into their hands. They accepted that trust and they betrayed it. Beloved, as God's word addresses us this morning as office bearers, office bearers, I'm speaking to you. Be humble. Humble yourselves. Be conscious how imperfectly we have discharged our duties whether it be for three years or whether it be now some 42 or 43 years as a pastor. We have the treasure of God's word in earthen vessels. So let us cast ourselves then upon our master's kindness, his forgiveness for all of our faults, whatever was lacking or wrong in our conduct. Let us press on in our offices. Yes, asking, who is sufficient for this? Not us, of ourselves, but only as those whom God has put into this office and God qualifies and strengthens for this work. Congregation, let me end with verse 5. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. May God bless us. Whether you've got one year of, uh, of office yet before you, whether you've got three years ahead of you, may God bless Bless this church. Amen. Father in heaven, we're thankful that Christ is the chief shepherd. Christ knows each of his sheep and lambs. He knows their needs. Help us, Father, then as under-shepherds to care for those sheep, to care and to lead and to guide and to protect these precious lambs. Bless this church, Father. We're thankful for the peace, the unity that we have enjoyed these years. Bless us in this coming year again. We ask it in Jesus' name.
Amen.